Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the privilege to hear your word. Give us understanding, wisdom, and revelation. Teach us. Let's not go back home the same in Jesus' name. Amen. I started teaching on a message that I titled, Success is Your Birthright. And um, today, I want to continue. I will be looking at an aspect of this important topic that is so crucial to success. My title for today's message is The Secret of Success. The Secret of Success. I also wanted to title it The Foundation because my emphasis is on the fact that this aspect of the subject of success is not something that is easily seen, is not an action, and yet it is that which really determines success in the lives of people. It cannot be seen, but it is there and is so important. But as a reminder, success is defined as discovering God's purpose for your life and fulfilling it. So we have studied how to discover God's purpose for your life. But today I want to say that it is not enough to discover God's purpose for your life. It's very good to discover God's purpose for your life, but you, you don't have to end there. Success is not just about discovering God's purpose for your life. You have to also fulfill that purpose. After purpose is discovered, that purpose has to be fulfilled. Somebody say purpose has to be fulfilled. When you discover God's purpose for your life, you've just done the first step. And there are many, many, many more steps to take. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, I mean my favorite scripture in the Bible. Everybody can have his favorite, but me, that is my favorite. Amen. Because of my emphasis on this subject, this is my favorite scripture. Let's read verse 1. It said, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I have given you, as I have said to Moses. So here, what something is happening, the book of Joshua opens with a story about how Moses died. Moses was the leader that God used to bring Israel out of Egypt. He did a great work and he died. But then God came to Joshua after the death of Moses, and God was now telling Joshua, the death of Moses is now creating an opportunity for your purpose to assume. So in verse 2, God was now speaking to Joshua about his purpose. If you read the whole of Joshua chapter 1, you will see fantastic secrets, fantastic truths about the subject of success. In fact, it's the first place God used the word success in the Bible. God himself. Joshua chapter 1. God revealed his purpose to Joshua. He said, you are the next leader. The whole nation depends on you, your ability to lead them across this Jordan into the promised land. And then you have to divide the land for every of the tribes. So God revealed his purpose to him. But God did not only 
do that. In verse 3, it said, every place that the soul of your being. Otherwise, I have shown you the pebbles now. Begin to execute it. Begin to fulfill it. Purpose discovered has to be fulfilled. Purpose discovered has to be fulfilled. Verse 2, he said, arise and then take the people. But how do you fulfill God's purpose for your life? You have to apply principles of life. Apply principles of life. So in verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1, God said to Joshua, I know you have, been, you have now seen your purpose. I know you want to be successful, but let me show you how. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, you must speak the right things about yourself and about people, but then you shall meditate on it day and night. In other words, you have to think properly because success begins with saying the right thing, thinking the right way. So when you meditate on the word day and night, it shapes your thought patterns and the way you think. Then it goes on to say, and you may observe to do all that is written. In other words, in the book of the law, in the scriptures, there are laws which we all understand to mean principles. There are principles of life that you have to apply to your life. When you do that, then you shall make your way prosperous and you will have good success. He said, when you apply these principles to your life, you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. In other words, God was telling Joshua, all I've done for you is to show you where the principles are. I've put them all there for you. I've shown you your purpose. I've shown you the principles. It's up to you. It's all up to you. You will make your way prosperous. I, God, will not come and make it for you. So, failure can never be traced to God. You can't blame God or your uncle or anybody, not even your wife or husband. You can't blame anybody when you fail in life. You have to be able to know, understand how it means to take responsibility when things don't go right. You shall make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. So God told Joshua, after you have discovered your purpose, find out, get knowledge, get principles, apply them to your life. And you'll be successful. Success is a result of principles well applied. Fulfilling God's purpose for your life requires that you know how to apply the principles of God. The reason why we come to church every time is to study the word of God to know more. The reason why God says meditate on his word every day is because there is so much to learn about life. The reason why God wants you to meditate every day is because he wants you to be actively Pursuing knowledge. He doesn't want you to put your brain to sleep. He doesn't want you to just let this brain rest. Learning does not end with school. As long as there is a life, there must be learning. That is scripture. Amen. Now, this is where my real message comes. I started wondering how come that many times in the scriptures, I have seen people who know the principles of God and yet have different results. What I mean is, I have always found in scripture two different kind of people in the same environment, same situation. They all know a particular principle and get different results. In fact, today's exhortation just made my day. Because when we look at giving as a principle, very important principle. But here is, we hear in church that somebody gave and got blessed. Another person gave and died. 
You remember? As five as one to three. That is a very classic example. I have always wondered. And not only in scripture, but even in normal life. Because of my real passion for this subject, I've read so much about success. A lot. I believe I should be able to say I've read a lot on this subject. Not only on the subject, but I've read success stories of people. I have read so much. I like reading biographies. I like reading about people from all walks of life. Politics, sports, music, entertainment. Anybody that is very significant, I want to read his story. I want to read his life. I just want to learn. And every time you, you see the same story in Acts 5 verse 3 happening, you will see in a particular discipline of life, two people with the same situation, applying the same principles, getting different results. Now, the issue with Acts 5 verse 3 is not that giving is bad. We see the same thing with Cain and Abel. Two people, same parent. That means they were taught by the same person. They went to give offering. Hebrews 11, 4 says, By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And the Bible said, God rejected Cain and rejected his offering. So it set me thinking that there must be something that enhances principles to work for people. Let me give you an example. Let's look at Judas Iscariot and John. These two people had the same mentor. Jesus was their mentor. They had the same calling, for that matter, purpose. You know that? What was their purpose? To become the apostles of Christ. Jesus selected only 12 apostles, and among them was Judas Iscariot and Jesus. Jesus taught them for the same length of time, three years, teaching, teaching. Then we have another group in the Old Testament, Saul and David. Saul was anointed as a king by Samuel. David was anointed king by Samuel. If you read the scripture, you will see that this was when Samuel anointed Saul, he taught him things. He gave him instruction. He gave him a lot of directions. He did the same with David. So at least Samuel did not only anoint them, he also mentored them. He taught them. Now, the worrying thing that we see is that Judas Iscariot and John, they did not have the same results. Did they? No. Judas died even before Jesus gave the great commission. (laughs) John was the last to die and he achieved so much. He wrote more books than the rest of the apostles except Paul. I mean the 12 apostles he wrote more. He wrote the book of John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, Revelation. And in the early church he was said to be the most outstanding apostles in terms of spiritual stature. But look at Judas Iscariot. Shameful and nobody want to call his child Judas Iscariot. But how many Johns do we have here? Are plenty. So plenty. So serious that people want to be called John so that they can become president in Ghana. <laughs> because some way, somehow, it looks like when you have John in your name, you get to win elections. And nobody wants to call his child Judas Iscariot. So what about Saul and David? I want to read a scripture in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, uh, maybe 21 so that you can understand it. Everybody read with me. It says, and afterward, they desired a king. He's talking about the nation of Israel. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years, 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will fulfill all my will. So why did God remove Saul? He said, after God removed Saul, he raised David to be what? 
king. That means it was not time for Saul to retire. God removed him because he was not doing things right. And God was saying about David, he said, He's a man I have found after my own heart who will fulfill all my will. That means I find in this guy something that will make him do anything I say. That means Saul knew what I wanted, but he will not do it. So it tells you that Saul was not a successful king. The interesting thing you find out is that David also ruled for 40 years. But David became so successful in those 40 years that God decided to establish a dynasty in his lineage. That even Jesus had to be born through the lineage of David to become the king of kings and the lord of lords. Because that was where God decided to to live royalty. If there is time, I'll show you other examples in our contemporary time. But at least I've made my point. I've helped you to understand that it's very possible for two people or different groups of people, even this church, it's very possible for everything I teach to be applied by everybody, and yet we get different results. Very possible. The lesson that I learned is that principles by themselves do not bring success. Otherwise, Ananias and um, Barnabas should have got the same results because they were just doing the same thing. Cain and Abel should have got the same results. But what makes principles work is right attitude. So let's see what God said about David. First Samuel 16, verse 6 and 7. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He's talking about Samuel in the house of Jesse. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks where? On the heart. Within. Now, when the Bible says the Lord looks on the heart, not talking about the heart as in an organ in your body that pumps blood. No, not that one. It's good for God to be looking at that one too, but in this context, <laughs> that's not what the Bible is talking about. When the Bible says God looks on the heart, he's talking about, he's looking at within you, your attitude. Who you are within. So God does not only look at what you do. He looks at why you did what you do. That is why Ananias had a different results to Barnabas. They did the same thing, but the attitude to what they did were different. He looks at the heart. So to be successful, God is very concerned about who you are within before what you do. What you do is very important to success, but what you do will not bring you much unless you do it with the right attitude. I'll take you back to Joshua 1 because everything is there. Let's go to Joshua 1 verse 7 and let's see how God did it. It will interest you that what God said in verse 7 came before verse 8. It means attitude comes before principle. In fact, attitude makes principle to work effectively. So verse 7 God dealt with an issue I want us to look at what he said. He said, God was talking. He said what? Only be strong and so that, so that you may be able to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So there are two things there. He said, be strong and be courageous so that you can be able to do. Joshua was going to lead the Israelites into the promised land to fight. 
he was a captain, you know that Joshua all his life, what he did was lead wars because to possess the land, they had to fight and conquer nation after nation. And so God was telling him, this place I have brought you to, principles can help you, but you need something also. It's what? Be strong. Strength. Where is it? Is it outward or inward? Inward. Courage. He said, be courageous. Courage. Where is it? Is it outward or inward? Inward. So God was saying, Joshua, before you attempt to do the principle, there is something within you that you have to deal with. You have to build some capacity inward. God was telling Joshua, right attitude helps principles, actions to produce great results. For this reason, I I'm of the view that attitude, right attitude, is the secret or the foundation for success. Right attitude is the foundation. I say, I use the word foundation or secret because it cannot be seen, but it has to be there. Because if it's not there, when you begin to engage the principles, results will show that attitude has questions. Now, the big question for today is what is attitude? I have many definitions that I want to run through quickly. Attitude is your mindset, your mindset, your philosophy, your, your direction of thinking. Another definition is your mentality. Another definition is your frame of mind, your scope of reasoning. Another definition is your perspective or your viewpoint. Attitude talk about your viewpoint, where you are, <laughs> you are seeing things from. <laughs> we all see the same thing from different places. And where you see the thing from is very important to the picture you see. If you're in an aircraft and you fly over Klagon, you will see little, 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 little boxes, like matches because of where you are. Buildings look like little, little boxes. It doesn't mean the buildings shrunk, but your position changed and what you see changed. So attitude is not something that can be seen, but when it's there, it manifests in actions. So who you really are is determined by your attitude. Proverbs 23, 7 says it very well. I know many of you can quote it. What does it say? As a man thinks, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, in his way, within. He may say to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not saying the same thing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Did you see it there? <laughs> so this scripture says, what people say is even more what they mean. Attitude is what you mean by what you said. <laughs> right attitude, because we can have the wrong attitude. Ananias had the wrong attitude. Giving is not false. It must be done willingly. But he wanted to impress people. He wanted to, to please people and get, um, how do you call it, public acceptance. And as you study along, you will see it's one of the serious problems many people have. Many people don't care how God thinks about them. They care how people think about them. Wrong attitude. Public acceptance. Public fame. Public, you know. Ananias wanted to be popular. Hey, that's the guy. He sold everything and gave. But God knows, and you know, it's not everything. But popularity. Fame. He wants to be praised. But Barnabas sold everything he had. Out of sacrifice, he wanted to give because of his love for God. So they did the same thing, but their attitude was different. Barnabas gave from love. Ananias gave from carnality. So right attitude is very crucial to success. We can also say that attitude is the spectacle through which we all view life. Now look at a picture on the screen. It's a glass with water. A psychologist talking about attitude said, 
people describe this picture differently. One group of people describe this picture as a glass that is half full. Another group define this picture as a glass that is half empty. The same picture, different descriptions. Why? One group sees the part that is empty. Another group saw the part that is full. The group that sees the part that is empty, they are pessimists. The group that saw the half that is full are optimists. Attitude. It determines how you understand life, how you see life. It determines why you do things the way you do it. It determines how you live your life the way you do, how you talk the way you talk. Attitude determines how even you walk the way you do. Attitude determines everything about you. It even determines how you dress. Some people dress also out of self-respect. Others dress to please people. Others dress to attract people. It determines how you do everything. Seven critical attitudes that can help you build the right character that will help you to be successful. The first one is passion for knowledge. All successful people have one attitude to knowledge. They are very passionate about it. Successful people value knowledge more than dress. They value knowledge more than food. Successful people value knowledge more than material things. So all successful people reserve the quality time of their day to study. And failures, they waste the quality time of their day. Either in talking, gossiping, chatting, watching TV, or any other thing, or eating. All successful people are humble people. Successful people are people who have integrity, generosity, discipline, resilience, and then confidence. There could be more. In fact, there are more. But I think if you have these seven, you will be fine. You will just do very well. So all these different groups of people that I spoke about, David and Saul, Judas Iscariot and John, Cain and Abel, and then Ananias and Barnabas. There is so much I can continue to tell you. Jacob and Esau. Even Adam and Jesus. Do you know the same temptation Adam faced? Jesus faced the same. Do you know it was the same devil that appeared in the garden, appeared also in the desert to, to tempt Jesus? That is what Jesus is called as the last Adam. Same devil, same temptation. Two different people, different results. Adam failed, and that is why you and I had problems. Jesus did not. If you look through all the lives of all these people in the Bible, you will see that the people who took advantage of principle and became successful, they had these qualities. Whilst we're looking for time to study these things, start examining yourself and start asking yourself, which of these do you have a problem with? We all need to question ourselves because we want to be successful. Where am I defaulting? Where are you defaulting? Is it your attitude to knowledge? Or do you have a pride problem? Because pride will destroy you. Do you have a problem with integrity? Can you be trusted? What is your track record? Are you an honest and sincere person? Or everything you say has to be verified, just in case. Generosity. Do you have a problem there? And generosity, like we saw today, is not giving. It's the willingness to give. <laughs> because when we study generosity deeply, you will realize that not everybody gave to you. Give out of love. In fact, some give because they want to finish you. So generosity is not giving. It is the willingness to give. And generosity is not about money. It's a lifestyle. Generosity people are always looking for something to give. It may not have to be money. It could be love. It could be care. It could be very... And it could just be encouragement. Generous people 
when they meet people, the first thing they think about is what can I do to help, not what can I take. Generous people don't think about what can I take from this guy. Discipline, big one. Are you a disciplined person? Are you able to carry out your objectives without anybody need to whip in you? Are you able to just do what you intend without supervision? Because once you still need supervision, you are not matured. So you are still a baby. Because in primary school, we are cane for being late. In the university, there's no cane. They expect that you should be sensible enough to get to lecture on time and to know the consequences of not going there on time. So they will not cane you because they know you are matured. They expect that you are mature enough to discipline yourself to go. That's why they don't cane people when you are late. As if some few troublesome lecturers, they will close the door um, on you for coming late. But I want to show you something probably it will help you to, to do your own observations because it's all over. It's all around us. Attitude issues is all around us. As it relates to success, the world of sports says that Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer of all time. Greatest boxer of all time. That is what the authorities in sports say. And I support them 100%. But there was somebody else that was as strong as Muhammad Ali. His name is Mike Tyson. I think Tyson is stronger than Muhammad Ali. I think so. But they were not fighting around the same time. So each was a champion in his day. Mike Tyson was so strong. I mean, naturally strong. If you watch the documentary of Mike Tyson, you can't imagine a human being is that strong. At 21, he took the title, heavyweight champion. And in those days, every young person, you see one out of every young person's T-shirt, you see is Mike Tyson's T-shirt. I mean, we all loved it. But this is what you find out. Muhammad Ali was such a respected statesman in America. So respected that most presidents invited him to the White House for state functions, different state functions, different presidents. In fact, Ali has been in the White House during the tenure of many different presidents at state functions. So he was not only a great boxer, but he really preserved his reputation so well that the respect of the public for him was so outstanding. Mike Tyson, strong Became a millionaire at 21, $250 million. All Tyson did was beat journalists, he went to prison. I think you don't need to end your life like that. <laughs> and now, totally broke, $250 million. I mean, with the wrong attitude, it doesn't matter how much money you get, it will all finish. Bad attitude, bad attitude. And some of us, we are born again, but the thing is there, it's worrying us. And you can be very gifted and very skillful. And you can be so blessed. You can be gifted. Attitude will ruin your life. Bad attitude. You can have everything at your disposal. But bad attitude will mess it up. That is why we need to look critically at these seven attitudes that we need to cultivate. We need to do that. And when you do that, it will take you far. It will take you places. Places money cannot take you. Attitude will put you there. God said, I have found a man called David. And listen to me, God is still removing people at the top because they are messing up. Are you ready to take their place? That's the best. No, 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 I'm not saying you answer because you are too quick to answer. I have been asking myself that question. I didn't answer the way you did. <laughs> because some of the people God is removing at the top, I think they are even better than some of us. And yet God is removing them. That means that you have work to do. When God removed Saul, hmm? Acts 13, 32, when God removed Saul, 
And God is God spoke to me, said, from generation to generation, he will continue to remove people. The Bible says he sets people in on the throne and takes them out. He removed so and he raised David from the bush. Shepherd boy from the bush, rejected at home. He was nobody, he had nothing, he was not anything important. But God saw something in him and said, This one, he is a man after my heart. In other words, I love him so much. What God loves about you is not the things you do. It is why you do the things you do. I pray that you will come to that place, that God will find you faithful, that God will find you worthy, that he will raise you up and put you at places that people never imagined you could ever reach in life. In the name of Jesus, that he will bless your life and make you great and make you an influence and make you a reference to your generation and make you the example that others are willing to follow. The example that others are willing to follow. May you not be a disappointment to your generation in the name of Jesus. May you not be a failure in your dreams and goals in the name of Jesus. May you become all that God has purpose for you to become in Jesus' name. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.